Hi, it's Matt, and welcome to the second series of the Cult Creator Experience, a podcast designed to share with you great digital leaders, podcasting, and content creation. I'm on a mission to help you find success through content creation. In this second series, I wanted to try something a little bit different. Series one was all about my process and sharing with you what I consider when I'm making a podcast. And that got me thinking, I wonder what people consider success in content creation. So in the second series, I'm going to go out there and find other creators. I've got 10 different stories to share with you and 10 different definitions of what success looks like from their content creation. But before we get into the show, can I just ask quickly that you hit the subscribe or follow button on your podcasting app of choice so that you can keep up with all of these incredible tales of success through content and podcasting. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. In this episode of The Creator Experience, we are joined by Roberta Lip. Now, Roberta is the co-host and producer of the They Coined It a Mad Men podcast. Perfectly named, right? Great name. Now, the podcast is an evolution of a widely successful blog. And I say widely successful, like the Mad Men blog of its time. A Basket of Kisses was so successful. They spoke to the actors, the creators. They had fans involved. They went on set. They even got invited to do a book tour after co-authoring a book about Mad Men. Yeah, the success was huge. And funnily enough, when Roberta started the blog, it started from she would watch an episode, call her sister, and then she would watch the VHS of the same episode and call her sister. And the cycle continued. And in my mind, that's a podcast just for one person. And then the blog was born, and now we have the podcast. But it all started with not really knowing where it would take her. She just had a really strong why that she wanted to discuss this and create content about it. And she had an incredible amount of commitment. That was key to her success here. And she loves it. It's so enjoyable. And we have to admit that she saw the gap in the market with the blog. And since there are other podcasts in the same vein. Now, in this episode, we discuss how to carefully structure a podcast episode. She's very particular about it. And it's really good. We talk about engagement strategies to grow your audience. We discuss whether Patreon is an extra stress on your podcast and how passion is a content creator's superpower. I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. There's loads in here and Roberta is lots of fun. Let's get into it. Roberta, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to the Creator Experience. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. What a fun opportunity. I'm excited to learn more about your podcast. And I think that's exactly where we should start. Can you introduce yourself and your podcast, please? So I am Roberta Lip, and my podcast is They Coined It, a Mad Men podcast. And it's right there in the title in case you miss what it might be about. <laughs> There's no, it's on the tin. It says exactly what it does. Exactly. Can you share with me your journey to the point of considering starting a podcast? Yeah. So at one point I thought I came to podcasts late in the game, but there's, you know, plenty of people still catching up, right? But at some point I was a fan of podcasts. And not long after that, I was like, I want to do a podcast and I don't know what I want to do a podcast about. I've got 
a history of, uh, I have somewhat of an entertainment background and I've never really found the focus um, or an end game. I've, I've done some radio, but that was years and years ago, years and years. Honestly, as politics started to become a little more important to me and I started getting more and more like I have something to say, that's where I thought I was going to go. And okay. I didn't know how to podcast. And it's funny when even five, six years ago, when you're like trying to find out how to do a podcast remotely with a co-host, there was not much information about it. No. In the before times. Anyway, I had a, a few different podcasts that did not get off the ground. And separately, separate piece of my life, my sister and I many years ago started a Mad Men blog that really became the thing. It was like right. the premier Mad Men blog. <laughs> we, we sort of came up as Mad Men was coming up. Um, yep. The creator of the show was a fan. We've been to Amazing. the set. Like it, it, yeah, it was a thing. So one of our writers, so now it's fast forward. It is now April of 2020. Mm-hmm. I'm basically in the fetal position on, on my living room floor <laughs> from shutdown and, and, and anxiety yeah. about everything. Sure. And one of our writers, Dan uh, Jasper, reached out to me and he said, hey, we're coming up on the five-year anniversary of the Mad Men finale. Want to do a podcast about Mad Men? And I was like, yes, right. boom, great idea. Don't know Amazing. why I hadn't thought of it. Yeah. So that's how that started. So that's where we got to. That's incredible. And that blog was incredibly successful then. That opened doors for you and... It, yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I paused because you said successful. And I know this is a theme we're going to continue to touch on, but we never made money. Okay. We didn't really try to make money, but and we made little bits of money, but we never really monetized in a big way this very, but I will say, very successful blog. It did open doors for us and it did fulfill something for us and for the fans. That's so awesome. So in in what way would you say it was successful, the blog? Uh, I don't even remember. For me personally, yeah, I, well, for me, it's funny. My sister and I have very different kind of interests. I was like, we got to the set. We got to meet everybody. Um, I mean, I got to, uh, I interviewed, uh, the one in-person interview I did at the time was Elizabeth Moss in her green room when she was on Broadway. Um, You know, I I love that. I love the schmooze. I love talking to people. Yeah. I love the little bit of recognition we got. And I love that we really were fulfilling something for people. Yeah, so- and we were, and we're like part of the history. We're part of the legacy. It led to other things. We helped, uh, we helped Ma- Matt Zoller Seitz, who's a, a well-known uh, television film critic, write a, he wrote a book about Mad Men and we, my sister and I both are contributors to that book. Amazing. And we, we went on book signing, you know, there's a lot, it, it definitely opened yeah. a lot of doors and just was a lot of fun. And it was a f- weird thing to be a nerd about. Mad Men. Yeah, you know? I think that's the next question is why, why Mad Men? Uh, what, what made you the, the people to critique Mad Men at all? Yeah. It is a family thing that we <laughs> talk about film and TV a lot and, and many yeah. members of the family have always sort of done that. 
And um, at that time, let's see, my sister is a published author on many topics, one of, one of which was James Bond, which I didn't even okay. know. I wasn't even a Bond. I was like, you, what, you were into James Bond? And she had this, she has this compendium. So she had a blog. She had a couple blogs. I had a blog where I was doing some sort of just like personal journal type blogging. And then this show comes on and we both, I, I, I had seen the promos. I said, this looks fascinating. I called her up. This is how you talked back then. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> with a phone call. And I said, listen, this, you know, I don't know if you've heard about Mad Men. I'm going to watch it. Like it hadn't premiered yet. Yeah. Want to watch it also. Yeah. So we would watch it and then get on the phone and talk about it. And then I was what, recording it on my, on the VCR, I guess. And I would watch it again and I'd call her back and I'd be like, okay, I just saw 10 more things in this episode. Right. So that kept happening. We kept yeah. having those conversations. And at some point we decided, I said, let's start a blog about it. Mm. Let's do it together. Because if one of us does it, the other one will just be commenting on it all the time anyway. Yeah, sure. And we set it up. It's called Basket of Kisses, by the way. And it is, it is the archives are lipsisters.com. And we got it set up for launch and then we launched it. I don't know if we intended this or not, but it was just, it was there and ready for us. And the day after the, the season one finale, which has a big like, whoa, moment, yeah. <laughs> uh, we started. And, and basically that was the first post was, whoa. <laughs> just riding on that wave of excitement. Yeah. And what is it about the series? Because I, I'm fascinated. I mean, you're so passionate about it. I can tell even now you're still passionate about the show. What was it about the show? Did you have an interest in that era before it it came out? Like, what appealed to you? Because this got into your family and it got on with hooks and it's a huge part of your life now. Yeah. I don't. I wasn't especially drawn to the era, although, I mean, I just, I remember the promos just visually. You've never seen anything like this on television, right? You've just never seen the gorgeousness of the detail of the of the time. So there's that. That's before watching it. Watching it, I remember really looking at it from the feminist perspective mm. and how these women were treated and spoken to and what they accepted as normal. It's very much a, a show about <laughs> a show about men being the, the the center of things and the impact it has on women. It's a show about a lot of things. That's one thing it's yeah. about, right? But I think that was the first thing that that got me was the the sort of juxtaposition of it's kind of like watching science fiction. Yep. And it's kind of like super relevant right now. Yeah. And that was then and it's boy has is it still super relevant right now. This now. Yeah, sure. That's um, awesome. And then as I said, the layers, the layers and layers and layers and layers. That it is, it is some of the smartest television I've ever seen. Do you think that's overlooked by a lot of people? No. No. I don't. I just wondered if that was something that you wanted to achieve, that um, spotlight on the subject matter with the blog. That's why you might have started it because you felt, oh, maybe people aren't getting this like I am. I, I, what was the reason we started the blog was... was uh, we just wanted, you know, we didn't think when we started it, I don't think we thought about where it would go. Mm. I think we just knew that we had a lot to say about it and this would be a fun place to express it. And yeah. then we started, 
you know, there just wasn't much information out there. So we we started putting in for like, hey, here's a good review about Mad Men. And and the, I remember one thing very specifically was that um, AMC, which it was the network, they posted yeah. the upcoming schedule and it was completely confusing. It was like, this is going to be on later tonight, 12 a.m., something about something about not clearly stating which day this thing was on because they said 12 a.m., but it was, and even though by definition that has a meaning, it was a little muddy. So we did a post like, in case you're confused, because this is what the they say over there, but just so you know, this is what's really happening. We would do things like that. We would do celebrity, we would do, you know, birthdays of the people on the show, but mostly we did these snippets. It was right at the cusp of recap culture, and we weren't even doing recaps. We were just like, hey, here's a thought about Peggy's dress. Hey, here's a thought about Betty and Don in this scene. So it was just really free-flowing. And what happened was the creator of the show found us also. Yeah. That, ha- that we didn't find out about right away. But also the fans found us. And the fans that found us and stayed were the fans that really did get it. We would go over to the AMC blog and we could see the comments were a little more shallow, a little, okay. you know, a little, oh, oh, that Betty, she's so dopey, whatever, you know, yeah, where yeah. we were we were getting Tabloidy. into it. Exactly. Yeah. And some of those people came over to us. And in fact, Dan, my co-host, yeah. is we he was over there and then we were like, hey, come over here. And he did. And then he became one of our writers, you know, and here we are. Yeah, and here we are. And then that brings us nicely on to the podcast. So the format of the podcast and what the podcast is, how does that relate to the blog? Is it a similar style or, yeah? Well, I think it's a similar style in that it's it's not super formal. Mm. I mean, I think you can hear the way I talk. It's And when you write, a, you know, blogging had that sort of blog speak which yeah. which was a great way to kind of develop just a very natural sound, which I ended up bringing into copywriting and, you know, all kinds of places in my life. So I think in that sense, here's what we don't do. We don't go scene by scene in order, in perfect sequence. We don't hit every note of every episode. I know there are podcasts out there doing that. There are podcasts. We're not the only ones that launched when we did. There was, no. I think, three or four that I know of uh, pandemic <laughs> madman podcasts. Yeah. Um, they go scene by scene by scene. And they, I, I just think it's too much. And I, so we, we are sort of like, well, what are the themes and what are the big plot points? And, oh, let's wait, uh, you know, and we might, we might, we've we very much created as we're going. Yeah. Okay. So like a shared key moment thing. Yeah. I mean, we do, we do create an outline and then we, we have a lot of wiggle room to just listen to each other. And here's what I, we disagree a lot on our takes. Yeah, which is good for the listener, right? It's great for the listener. So who is your listener? So when we started, it was still on Netflix. And then we, literally before we launched this podcast, we found out it was leaving net, Netflix and we were in a bit of a panic. But <laughs> Mad Men was having a moment, partly because of the pandemic, Mm. And people are home and people were either rewatching it or finally getting to it. Yeah. We thought our listener would be a mix of that. Okay. I am pretty sure, and we keep it very spoiler light. We're not perfectly pristine, but we're 
pretty good about spoilers just for that listener who might mm. be watching it for the first time following along. But most of our listeners are all, were already Mad Men fans and are just so happy. Some, some people remember, you know, we put Basket of Kisses, it's, you know, some people find us that way, but, and some people don't. But I think, I do think the people who find us are happy the same way and for the same reasons that they were happy to find our blog, those who did, where it's real talk. It's full of respect for the show. It's full of love for the show. It's not afraid to critique the show when the, when it, when there's, when something goes off or when we, what was that? That doesn't, that's not making sense. Or <laughs> Yeah. So you didn't go and find the audience before launch. You just, we're going to make this show. And whoever came along, came along. There was no sort of yeah. high expectation of a specific audience and to engage that audience, whether through the blog or other means. Yeah, no, we didn't. We had a few thoughts, but not a plan. <laughs> we were just like, very much like the blog. Let's just put it out there and hope we get found. So did you have any determinants of what success might look like for the podcast? No, I mean, I... We were building the plane as we were flying it, right? We we yeah. sort of set a launch date. And I, I said two things absolute from the first conversation. Number one, we have a schedule and we stick to it. Meaning if we if our like our drop date is Thursday, we do not miss Thursday, even if we have two listeners. And we we have never missed it. Um, we've taken time off, but we've never missed that. And then number two, that sound quality has to be good. And I don't know how to do that yet. Um, <laughs> when we launched, we didn't have number two yet. And I was really upset, <laughs> really? Uh, but we got better quickly. I figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And, and going back to that, was there, if we're not talking about what would success look like, what would have stopped you doing the podcast? What would you have gone, ah, it's not working for me. Would it have been time, lack of downloads, lack of engagement? Was there any sort of key point that you were like, yeah, if this, if this doesn't come to this level, then maybe we'll stop. No. No. I, I was almost stopped at the beginning when I found out it was leaving Netflix. Um, you thought you couldn't watch it, so it was like, ah, I need to see the content to do I this well. I thought the fans couldn't watch it. Okay, that's interesting, considering the who, listener. Yeah, who, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it's funny. I listen to a Buffy podcast, mm -hmm. and... I don't need to watch before I listen. I, I know Buffy well enough and she talks through the episode content well enough that yeah. I'm refreshed. But I did consider this should be a watch along if you wanted it to be. And I thought, again, I thought with a lot of people watching it right now, right in that moment, yeah. they were gonna want a new podcast. So, and then when that was going away, that moment, I mean, it did, it, it dropped out of existence for maybe, I don't know how many weeks. And then it showed back up on IMDb TV, yeah. which is, which you can get through Prime and which is full of horribly placed commercials. <laughs> um, and it doesn't float to the top of the lists, you know? Yeah. So. You could have looked for it. The, the momentum kind of got squashed. Mm. Our momentum, it's steady. It's not, it's not like we hit, have hit a place yet where suddenly it's exponential. Yeah. But every, every, every single week, 70 or 80 people listen to the first episode. Really? Um, and that's what a, that's what a fan's going to do, right? They're yeah, going to start yeah. at the beginning. Go back to the start, yeah. Our top five episodes are the first five episodes. 
consistently. Wow, that's so interesting. It's, it's fans. Yeah, and it massively demonstrates the power of podcasting as an archival medium. Uh, it doesn't matter what you publish this week, there's still huge amounts of power and gravitas in those early episodes when you got going, especially if it's attached to something as strong as Mad Men or another TV or film. Yeah. Let's talk about how you create the content. You mentioned you do have a rough outline. Can you talk me through the production process of your podcast, please? The production. Like you went, I mean, you would start with the like from idea to okay. ear. Yeah. So we're both busy people with lives, and we so we've got a Google Doc, and Dan will sketch it out first, and he'll just kind of put down his thoughts, what he sees as themes. Okay. Then we get together and we talk it through. Generally, in five minutes before we start recording, honestly. Really. Um, yeah, unless there's been a few bigger episodes, we, which we consider bigger. I've actually got one coming up that I'm a little nervous about. That it's just, it's so, I don't want to leave anything out. It's so, there's so much. It's such a pivotal bunch of storylines. Right. But so we talk it through and we figure out the sequence. I try to end on around the biggest emotional end that happens in the episode too. Um, so again, we're doing storylines and we're not going in order. So nice. it's like, all right, let's do the Don and Betty thing here. And then let's do the Peggy thing here. Then break. We want to hit on this like that. Um, you know, we do have a, the, the podcast has a structure. So there's, we, I, something that was funny. It was something I knew from the beginning. I'm like, we're putting in breaks. And even though those breaks are simply most of them, there's nothing there. It's just a little bit of music and then we're right back. But yeah. I, I wanted to be ready to level up, I guess. Yeah. You know, so for ads get, or yeah. for other things you might want to put in a mid-roll yeah. from another series or something. Yeah. Nice. And I also That's think a- it's nice musically. I think it's nice for the listener. I think it gives you a minute, a, a place to rest your brain. Yeah. Okay, we're taking a break. Okay, we're back. <laughs> you know. Does the show break into more than two segments or is it just the two segments that you just have a, a mid-roll break? Uh, there's two breaks. Okay. So, so here's my full sequence. Yeah. We, it's not, it wasn't set from the very beginning, but now, you know, it took a little bit, right? So we have a cold open, which is mm-hmm. a clip from the show. It might be an outtake. Sometimes okay. it's a clip that I don't need in the, in the place where I pull it from, or it could be a legitimate outtake, like me yelling at my cat to get down. Um, <laughs> but it's something that should bring you in, especially if you know us, but it's, and it's quick, right? Yeah. I don't know, six, eight seconds. I don't ever time it. I just listen. So that there's that. And then the music comes in. I, I got original music. I have a wonderful musician friend who can Amazing. spit themes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it goes into the music, which has a voiceover in it, uh, mm-hmm. of a, a grounding quote from Mad Men about Mad Men. And then I do a teeny, teeny, teeny clip of the show, like four seconds, not even, two seconds. Okay, yeah. So all of that. And then we start, welcome to They Coined It. And then there we do a whole, that's usually the longest section. I mean, sometimes that can go 50 minutes. We're trying to get it. We're trying to control things. <laughs> we're trying to get it down. Somewhere between, somewhere around 40, we're taking a break, but it could be longer. Yep. Take the first break. We come back. We finish the episode. Mm-hmm. We take another break and we come back with, Something else. We uh, for a long time we just did our favorite quote of the uh, an outstanding quote of the episode, and we each do that. Sometimes we do something different. 
um, a quirky scene or something. We do a something. Still related to the episode. So it's like more talking about the episode, but we've finished the bulk of it. Okay. And was the thinking behind that to support your marketing endeavors? So you had sort of defined segments to repurpose and reuse or... Was it just that you wanted to put breaks in? I think segments is a great idea. It sort of helps the shows move along, I think. Yeah, no, what you just said, that would have been smart. No, <laughs> it was the second thing. It was just, it just it's my sounded... my job to find these things out. <laughs> it just sounded, again, I, I did have the thought of scaling up, of, of eventually putting, being able to put spots in there. It felt good. Yeah, no, it works. Part of, I mean, I'm going to toot my horn. Part of the success of the podcast and, and is that I have the, a really good ear for just timing and sound. And when I learn to edit, same thing. Like I can really hear things. Yeah. It just in how a conversation flows. Yeah. Like a cadence to it, isn't there? It's, there's a stride and there's a natural pause and those nice little moments you can tighten up. So how long on average raw material do you have after a single session? You're recording remote, right? You're not in the same place. Correct. Correct. Well, we're trying to get it down to 90 minutes. We we were doing okay. two hours and we're trying to get my editing. And this is, we're trying to get my editing down to six hours. <laughs> okay. So that's an intense amount of editing, right? It's intense. It's intense. Yeah. Now, I will def- in my defense, some of the podcasts that are my favorite podcasts that I sort of model it after, even though they're not necessarily talking about something cultural um, or cultural, but not a TV show or a film, I have heard the same kind of timing that I have. Yep. So, you know, they sit for two or three hours, they edit for 10 hours. And once I heard yeah. that, I was like, okay, so I'm not out of my mind insane but I still need to get it down. I'm work- we're working on it. I think a, a fair ratio is four to one. So for an hour of raw, you're looking around about four hours editing, give or take. And obviously it depends on if you've got music, sound effects, and if you're looking for those natural moments to uh, take a pause. And it's also bringing down two hours of content down to 90 minutes. There is an element of it that you need to have listened to the two hours so that's two hours of real time, right? Before you can make the conscious call to be like, oh, actually that whole segment there was a load of waffle. But you don't know. One of the things that I sort of advise when I'm training editors is if you cut something out earlier on and then there's a callback to it, say 45 yes. minutes later, and it's an in-joke and you've removed that stumble or the cat or whatever it was, you've now either got to go back and stitch it back in, which can be a real nightmare, or you've got to remove whatever happens down here, which could be a really good emotional connective tissue part of the show that the listeners would enjoy. So um, yeah, I do feel your pain. I definitely, I don't think there's too much you can do. We've gotten a lot better with that exact thing. I was so sensitive to that when we started. Um, and it still gets confusing because my head is in three weeks of episodes, plus we do little extra for the patrons, right? So there's, I'm yeah. like, did we, where did we say it? Did we say it? Did I cut it? But within a given episode, we've gotten, uh, we've really worked on our own practices with each other where we will self-edit, we will stop the action and say, okay, hang on. Did we talk? Da, 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 what are, all right, let's do this next. That's been saving in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of pre-production 
whilst you're doing production. I would never advise anyone to do that, but it sounds like you've you've really got into the groove of it and you can, because you're editing yourself as well, you have that foresight to know, yeah. I would hate to edit this bit, so I'm not going to say it. I, yeah. I just don't, we don't need to do this. We don't need to call back. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. So post-production is taking six hours. Um, once six you to, are... Six. six to ten, depending on the weather. Yeah. Uh, Once you're done with the show, is all edited and you're published. Tell me about your kind of marketing strategy with the podcast. Yeah, there's not a ton. We are on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, but we don't do much with that. People find us. That's fine. We don't. We don't do. You know, Twitter. I mean, it's hashtags, and Mm. and Mad Men is a pretty. Easy, you just hashtag Mad Men or, or Don Draper sometimes, or, you know, yeah. if people are looking for us, they're finding us. I spent a few months really growing our Twitter presence. And anytime I do that, you know, I just sort of search around who's talking about Mad Men and then I, as the podcast. And again, it's right there in the logo a Mad Men podcast, right? Yeah. Instagram, we have a nice following, but I don't know that it's bringing in any, like, I don't quite have a grip, I will admit, on where the new mm. people are coming from week after week. Okay. Ever, but I, I mean, we, twice, we took a whole month off between seasons and where our, our seasons are following seasons, right? Yeah. And, um, and we came back and boom, our numbers were higher than when we left. So- wow. And in that month off, did you use Twitter and, and sort of try and grow the audience? Or it was literally just a pause- and then exponential growth when you came back. I mean, there might have been a like, hi, we're coming back, but that was not a lot of effort. I'm, Isn't that interesting? I've just started doing some TikToks also. Mm-hmm. What are you doing on the TikToks? You, you, is it yourself doing them or are you using content from the show, the podcast itself? Or I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten any of the tricks yet. So it's just me. <laughs> and I started doing it, not talking about the show and just doing me as me. And there's going to be plenty of that when I'm on there. But I've done a few, two or three or four. No, I did a little series, like mm. a little four-parter to get to make a point about something, like uh, with some teasers. And, and so I've talked about Mad Men a few times. And again, hashtags there. And twice now I've attached myself in the different ways you can to somebody else's. I, I'm like, mm-hmm. maybe that's Stitching, a good thing yep. to... I stitched and I, the other thing, I did one of each. So I felt like that could get me a little more, a little few more eyes. I mean, I haven't done anything especially that's gone super viral, but can't hurt. And, uh, do, you, uh, do you make time, so do you sort of, some people say, oh, I'll just spend an hour and a day doing your socials. How dedicated to you, the socials are you? Is it a bit more ad hoc? It's, it's, it's a bit more. I mean, we do one with every, with every, every time we drop an episode, yeah. there's, there's a little social blast mm-hmm. and that, and that's it. I mean, I was doing audiograms for a little while, but I'm a little overwhelmed by editing, honestly. And yeah, if I had yeah. a little more freedom around that, I'd be able to get devote a little more to, to social. Um, or if we made more money, yeah, <laughs> then, you know, if we if we hit a certain level, I'd be able to get support so I could do more things. But for now, we are where we are. Yeah, I mean, let's touch on money. Uh, you have a Patreon. I do. Uh, but your Patreon, is something I sp- spotted on there was if you sign up 
for your Patreon, you can get the Thursday's episode delivered early on a Monday. Yes. Are you not just making a rod for your own back there, having to edit? You've given yourself less time to edit a show that's taking you a while anyway. Is that, does it, does Patreon, is Patreon a stress, I guess is where I really want to ask. It's one more thing to manage for sure. Yeah. Um, once, you know, I, so, you know, my co-host Dan is very compassionate about the fact that everything falls on me. And yeah. he's like, are you sure you want to do that? I'm like, listen, it's going to hurt once. And then it's just a different schedule. Yeah. You know, dropping it on Sunday night is just the same as dropping it on Thursday night. It it gives me a minute to catch any mistakes, honestly. Mm-hmm. One of the things I didn't mention is, I, I mean, I sort of mentioned it, but I do put clips from the show into the show. Yeah. Um, it's a nice editing tool, right? Because it's like, if we did not end this moment of the conversation well, boom, clip, <laughs> transition, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's another time-consuming thing. Mm. Uh, why did I say that? Oh, this week when I dropped it Sunday, what I do is I drop it for the patrons and I drop it for Dan. Yep. Here's, here's what we got coming. And sometimes he'll catch things. Sometimes he'll, he'll title the episode. I sometimes leave that for him. Yeah. This week though, we both heard my clips, the volume was too low on my clips. Okay. So Monday I had to go back, <laughs> actually re-rip the episode, which is totally, totally legal, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean that's that's a, a big a big no no uh, amongst a lot of podcast gurus would say, do not use material that you don't directly own. Um, if, no problems with it so far, or you know what, we never had a problem with the blog. They okay. loved the free publicity. Yeah, um, I don't know these days mm. if. I know I did some, I listen, I did some sketchy things at, or in the first season that I knew were sketchy where I took yeah. like uh, music Scenes. I shouldn't have taken. Okay, music's a big um, one. I mean, yeah. we keep, music's a big one and I know that. The robots will find you, yeah. I was in advertising, but we never got, you know, that yeah, would yeah. all have to be changed if we ever got picked up or some something. But the show clips, I mean, I keep them short. Yeah. I don't know. We've never... Uh, you know, if it's a risk, I don't know what the risk is. I hope I don't ever find out. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I would like to think that there would be a polite request to yeah. stop first as opposed to uh, any action. Um, but y- you're using those clips. What, uh, what kind of process do you have to considering what clips to put in? Are they specifically about what you're talking about? Because uh, what I'm seeing here is uh, more work, basically. It's absolutely more work. It makes for a beautiful, it makes my episodes so, I mean, we didn't do it at the beginning. Mm. And it made, it's just beautiful what it does. So <laughs> it's a G, what I'll pull, again, it solves problems. It's, yeah. it can smooth, it can smooth a transition. Yeah. I think I've probably evolved it. I tend now not to use exactly what we referred to. Um, okay. Unless we really want to, unless I need to clear something up, like where we're like, yeah, I yeah. don't know, I thought it was this and you thought it was this. But usually I'll find something else, something f- from what we're talking about, but something we didn't address. Okay. And something, it's just more of the, honestly, it's part of the storytelling of our storytelling. Yeah. Is we get, it's another layer that we get to add in. 
No, that's fascinating. Uh, I, l- I love hearing the lengths that people go to to just add that extra something. And it is more work. It is, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, but this is the thing about podcasting. It's in a really weird state where you've got the big boys doing their big stuff, your NPRs and your gimlets and your wondries. And, and, you know, they've got structure and infrastructure that is like TV production. And then you've got people that invest the time as if it is financed to produce shows that are just as good, but with very little remittance on that, no reward, just the love of the creating uh, community as well as creating the content. And that's basically what you're saying here is, I want to do it because I know it's better and that matters. And I think that's, um, yeah. That's exactly, that's it. Let's, let's talk about the competition. Have you engaged any other Mad Men podcasts? I mean, we've chatted. Okay. Uh, a little bit we on, on Instagram a little bit. One of them was looking for an editor and I and they could not pay me. I mean, they were like eighty dollars for our two do, for our two hour finished episode. I was like, Jeez. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I've got to um, eat at some point, yeah. I, you know, I, I listened to a few of them. Mm. They're fine. <laughs> I love what we do. Yeah. Um, you know, we all there's like a little Mad Men community, and we're all sort of hanging out with each other ish. But you know, we're doing what we're doing. I haven't mentioned we've also had guests. Like we've also had we just had Jennifer Getzinger, who was a, a frequent director on the show. We have had. It's harder now to get the bigger stars that we used to be able to get back in the day of yeah, the blog. I but I we spoke to Brian Bat, who played Sal. We spoke to Melinda McGraw, who played Bobby Barrett. I'm forgetting people. We had Talia Shire, who is her own, her own bit of Hollywood legacy right there. And she played yeah. Roger Sterling's wife, Mona. So, yeah, we've had, we do that sometimes too. How did you get access to these guests? All the way back when, it was one of the reasons I got on Facebook. Was really? because when Mad Men was small and we were part of their thing, I just sort of friended up a bunch of people. And then um, some of them, and then some of them, I mean, I think Talia Shire, we actually went through the, through the proper channels. We like Dan reached out like through to a publicist. Right. But it's, it's just frustrating because um, I'm such a brat. I, (laughs) I know that if I ran into John Hamm on the street, he would come on my podcast I can't touch him. I can't get near any of them. You no. know, John or Elizabeth Moss or January Jones or, or, or you know, Christina. Any, any of the, the top tier, we can't reach them anymore. And we had spoken to so many of them in yeah. the day. And they loved us. They really, they genuinely Appreciated loved what you were doing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, here's for hoping. Yeah, I know. John Hamm <laughs> on the street. Yeah, John Hamm on the street. You just got to keep your eye out. You get, see if you can get some Google alerts if he's sort of in the area. If John Hamm and I ran into each other on the street, he would say, I know, I know, you still think I should be with Rachel Menken. Like, we do, <laughs> <laughs> we have met enough and he gets me. Anyway. That's awesome. Silly. This has been absolutely fascinating, Roberto. I've enjoyed learning about your passion and what it takes to create a fan podcast as well. Your dedication is um, impressive, really impressive. Oh, I just feel like I sound a little bit like a crazy person, but I can live with it, I guess. But, but the passion <laughs> passion is the thing that doesn't require feeding. 
it doesn't need money. It doesn't need time. It, it takes those away from you. And if you enjoy what you're doing, you enjoy creating content and you enjoy that process of creating the content because that's that's the that's the most difficult part for a lot of people is that yeah. starting and moving forward and um yeah that kind of brings me nicely on to some of my uh, show ritual questions the wrap-ups mm. which is like what is the hardest part of podcasting for you I mean, the editing, the time, the time it takes to edit. I love editing. I fell in love with editing, which is, and I think you can hear that in the way I talk about yeah, the yeah. structure of my podcast, but it is exhausting and I am a little chained to it. And so that's the hardest part for me. Yeah. And what, did anything get in your way preventing you from starting? So in 2020, April, what had stopped you up until that point starting your podcast? Well, the other podcasts that I that never got off the ground, we kind of couldn't figure out how to do it remotely. And it was always mm. with somebody that I needed to do it remotely with. Yeah. And then, and the passion wasn't there equally on both sides. You know, the vision, the, the vision wasn't there. You know, Dan and I, Dan and I disagree like crazy and we get into it. Yeah. But we both know that this podcast is the vision we both had when he said, do you want to do a podcast about Mad Men? And I said, yes. We are both so pleased with, what we're creating. That's awesome. Yeah. And there was one other thing that helped in April of 2020, and we launched July 4th, I think, was all of a sudden television and podcasts all sounded terrible. Yeah. Because <laughs> everybody had to figure it out in a different way. So I was yeah. like, we can get away with a little for a little while if yeah. we have to. But you'd put that standard to happen. So uh, whatever happens, we'll launch. But I've got these expectations to get to a certain sound quality, a certain content quality, and the format of you two. I mean, it's bantering for a lot of it, isn't it? It's so sort of so happy much. to disagree, but that makes it more interesting to just stick around to see whether you agree with each other sometimes. Yeah. Yep. What other yep. podcasts inspire you? Is there anything that leads the way for you? So I mentioned, you know, that some of my favorite podcasts are this are a similar style to this, right? So one of them is You're Wrong About, and one of them uh, was a podcast that had one season called Mob Queens. Okay. Another is currently um, You Are Good, which started around the same time we did, and now another one is Maintenance Phase. Mm. All of them, two people, two people talking about stuff, and then- one more I will mention is that uh, I had just, I think before Dan reached out to me, I had just checked out a podcast. I cannot recall the name of it, but it was about The Wire. Okay. Um, and it was a new podcast about The Wire. I had yeah. just listened to it, a few episodes of it. I am not enough of a Wire devotee to have stuck with it. I'd have to do another watch along. But yeah, yeah. It was really inspiring, and I did go back and listen once we decided to do what we're doing because here was a show about a show that was long gone. Yeah. And I didn't know if it helped me feel comfortable doing this. Like, yeah. So what if it's, it's over? We can do yeah. it. It's a thing. People are doing this. You know, there's value in it. And people will want it. People will yeah. want it. Yeah. Amazing. Who holds you accountable or what holds you accountable for your content? Why do you make sure that you hit it every week? It's me. Yeah. I hold me accountable. I will be honest. I mean, I have, 
I have a lot of obstacles. I have ADHD yeah. and and a, other behaviors around that where I can never get something done. And as some of the weariness of doing this took over, yeah, it, it got harder for a while. And and I was getting sloppy about that Sunday night deadline I had for my patrons. Now those are people paying. Yeah. You know, and even there I got sloppy. And then I just sort of got my ass kicked. Am I allowed to say that? You can say it. <laughs> it's podcasting. We do whatever we want. It's our podcast. But my therapist and one of my dear friends is like, You're this is, you know, and I'm like, I know, I know, I know, I know. And I finally and I have finally I needed I I really the month off that I took in in December we ended up ending a season right before the holidays and then doing a couple of short holiday episodes and then I'm out of here on January for January and then I got covid. I got the oh, easy no. kind of covid. I got the yeah, right. Omicron covid. Not the OG, but um so I that month off really helped me refresh and yeah. No, it's interesting. I I keep asking everyone who holds you accountable. It always ends up that it's it's them essentially, but what I, I, what I'm framing is everyone's got the sort of moment where they they do have to kick themselves up the butt, or they have that quiet moment to themselves, or yeah. it reflects a belief or a value system they have. Like, uh, yeah, I know you're all going to say you're accountable for your own content, but that was interesting getting your point of view then as well. Well, and I, let me just add one. I'm sorry, mm. let, um, because before we even had the Patreon. It was always me. And you just said something that just made me, was why I just interrupted you, because you just said something about your own, like, I have a really strong ethic about you're keeping my word. Mm. And then I don't always live up to my own ethic about it. But I said, you know, Dan Dan would be like, nobody's going to die if we don't make Thursday. I'm like, no, yeah. no, that is not how we do this. That's not how that works. We said Thursday. We're doing Thursday. And, I think that's powerful. You know, that's very powerful. It, it, yeah. If there is the option to not do something, but you still do it, then I think that's worth double than, you know, if you have to, or there are severe yeah. repercussions or someone's breathing down your neck, like another editor, like, got to get this out. Yeah. What small change have you made that's made a huge difference to your content creation? Well, I've talked about, I think, some of the changes I've made, but there was a context shift that happened somewhere early on, somewhere in the first or second season. I was talking to somebody and I said, this podcast has transformed my life. And she said, oh, so your podcast transforms people's lives. And I was like, that, that. and then I, I, because I know her and I, I just took it. And I went, okay, my podcast about a TV show has the power to transform people's lives because I say so and because it's transformed mine. And I, I bring that. I know that what we're talking about really, why we love Mad Men, it's not just the costumes. It's not just the cool way the script is clever. It's, it is incredible views of humanity, humans humaning, and and then when Dan and I also get into stuff, and that's just more humans humaning, and that's what we bring. And I, I tell other podcasters or people looking to podcast, like, you can make a difference out there talking about anything. Yeah, that's anything. powerful. Just uh, having that connection with someone 
is is very very powerful you don't know who's listening or what's going on in their day but they if they agree with you or disagree with you they have that ability to have that connection to whatever you've produced and i think that's really powerful or what advice would you give a new content creator or someone on the fence as to whether they should launch their own podcast i mean that that thing that that if if it's something you if you if you want to talk about it somebody wants to hear it and if if you're straight and you're expressing yourself mm. um you can express yourself through anything and it can reach somebody else i i truly be, like that sounds very self-helpy and woo woo and sure because it is whatever it's yeah. it's, it's the truth and it's a fuck ton of work and <laughs> and if you're not ready for that then don't do it and you can have it be any way you want you yeah. can do a podcast that's a four episode series and then stop and then see what you want to do next yeah so yeah definitely you can run it however you want it yeah my first season of this podcast is essentially a reference material it was just a mm-hmm. way of me getting out my my podcasting process. And then when I talk to other people that are interested in podcasts, instead of me waffling for 45 minutes in front of them, I can just point them to the podcast, episode seven, that'll talk to you about post-production. There you go. And season two is going to be completely different. And who knows where season three goes because it's whatever I want to get out of it, right? That's That's the power of it. Last couple, what are three values you want to be known for through your content? Oh, this is harder than I thought. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, that's in- right. Integrity, integrity is the thing we keep talking about, right? Mm. About keeping your word and getting it done. Uh, somewhere in honesty, but it's not really honesty. It's it's expression. It's mm. it's communication. Right. Authenticity. That's another one that's so over, but it's true, yeah, right? It is. Yeah. But like communication, a lot of and communication is not an ethic, but but making it happen, being committed to making it happen is. Yeah. And and joy. I'm going to take joy as an ethic. Yeah, yeah. I, you can find fun in anything. And if you don't, what are you? why are you doing it? Well, exactly. And that's going to help you go through those times where you do spend 10 hours editing something. Hour six, you thought, I don't, uh, I don't know if I want to do this. But if you, you know that process is coming, you can almost enjoy the, the worst bits by letting yourself go into it as honestly as possible. Yeah. Mm. And finally, what do you think makes a good leader? Oh, those things. Communication. Just really being over there with that person, you know, leading by finding out what needs to be led, what wants to be led, just really being being with people. Yeah. Keeping your own word and and sometimes high demands, but but meeting people where they are and checking in and admitting your own. I think that's a big one for me is, is just my own fallibility, all my own flaws. I just, you know, listen, I screw up. I screw up right and left here and there. And I don't expect any less from you. No. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's having that honest opinion that it can't always be the way you want it to be. Just attack it the way you best can and then see what happens from there. Roberta, this has been awesome. It's been so interesting to hear about your passion, your commitment. Integrity is definitely a word I'll take away from your creator mm. experience. You have integrity of 
delivering deadlines, keeping your promise, but also that you wanted to deliver a really high standard of content that you're continually happy to develop and learn. And I think that's that's a great message to any other content creators out there. I've got one final question before we go. I want to know sure. what were the podcasts about that didn't take off? <laughs> Let's see. Gosh. So there was one where it was my oldest, dearest friend, and and we were going to figure something out but I, about just sort of talking about stuff and some of it would be quirky and some of it would be comfortable and and that kind of the groundedness was the fact that we were these very old friends. But I was like, but we have to talk about politics. Mm. And he was like, sure, sure. But as we got closer, he he got anxious. He just didn't want to, he had too much anxiety around it and didn't want to do it. Didn't want to be part of that noise. Okay, yeah. Uh, There was another one he and I were going to do about movies. We're still, he and I are still, someday we're going to have a podcast. Yeah. He he's really one of my oldest friends and he listened to podcasts before he wanted podcasts before they existed. Yeah, he would okay. keep this American life and keep them with him. Yeah, sure. There was another one that was going to be another woman my age and and we were talking going to talk about stuff and politics. We just never, you know, you really do need the same vision or a clear I don't I don't want to sound so controlling about that it has no, to be no. a clear vision in that. I don't mean it that way. But somehow the vision it's got to be sympathetic, hasn't it? It's good. It, it can't. Yeah. It can't feel like work. It can't be too scripted. The podcasts that you described that inspire you all come from that. Two people talking. We'll say what we say. You don't know what's edited because it feels fluid. It feels conversational, and that, for a lot of listeners, I think helps them feel like they're in the room too. And that's Absolutely. a really that's a really uh, cool thing to get from a podcast is to give that sense of community just from, yeah. you know, two other people talking. 100%. But yeah, I was just intrigued to see what didn't get off the ground and whether it was a different format. But yeah, it's about finding the right people and enjoying it. There was another one that was a different format. This is my format. Two people is my format. Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing great, great Thank stuff. Thank you. Roberta, thank, you, thank so you very much for being on the podcast and I look forward to seeing what you create over the coming years. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for for doing this. This was wonderful. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thank you. And that is the end. Thank you for listening to the Cult Creator Experience. I hope this has been helpful. If you have any questions, topics, or feedback you would like to give me, hit me up on Instagram at cult.media, K-U-L-T dot media. And if you need help launching your podcast, growing your podcast, or just starting your content creation journey, let me know. I'd love to give you a hand or answer any questions you might have. Head over to cult.media to book yourself a free call. We can have a little powwow about podcasting and content. And until next time, be good. Be good.